Back when I was in the business world, I remember many occasions when I, along with many of my colleagues, would be sent to a seminar or workshop. I went to lots of these events. And we learned management principles and communication principles and sales strategies. And we were taught best practices for inventory management and problem solving and decision making. And our team would come back from these seminars very enthusiastic with deep resolve that we were going to create major changes and major improvements in the way that our company did business. But here's what I found. In most cases, these three-wing binders full of all of this invaluable information, we would bring them back to our company and we'd put them on a shelf in our office and it would sit there and gather dust. Because the reality is that we weren't necessarily changed much by what we'd experienced. And in many cases, we didn't wind up making many changes in our organization. We didn't follow through. A lack of follow through is a very common human problem. And why is it? Why is it that we as people so often struggle to actually implement change? I believe it's because we get used to doing life in familiar ways and then we get stuck in our ruts. And when we're stuck in a rut, We can get some new piece of information. We can say, oh, wow, that is so great. And then far too often, we just get back to business and life as usual. And we do it in our jobs. We do it with our personal habits. And we often do the same thing in the spiritual realm of life. And so we may gain some new biblical insight. We might get some really helpful teaching about how to live by faith and we take that and we put it on the shelf. And far too often we increase our knowledge about Christian ways of speaking and thinking and believing, but we may not actually become more faithful followers of Jesus. What we learn may not actually show up in our lives. Jesus wants to help us avoid making that mistake. He's aware, <clears throat> he's aware of our very human tendency to not follow through. And he knows that just listening to a sermon, even a sermon delivered by him, is not automatically going to result in a life of faith. And so as he concludes his Sermon on the Mount, he issues a very strong challenge. Embrace it. Live it out. And as we're going to see, he issues this challenge with some very strong words. He's going to tell us that we have a clear decision to make. Will we respond wisely to all that he's taught us and actually do what he says? Or will we be fools and ignore him? That's what we need to ponder as we take a look at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. Jesus is speaking and says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The setting for this comment by Jesus is the day of judgment. He's looking ahead to that moment when every person will stand before him, and at that time he will let us know whether or not we will be with him for eternity in the kingdom of heaven. And here he describes the way he's going to respond on that day to a particular category of people. And I find that many people misunderstand Jesus because they overlook what he actually says in his first sentence. Jesus does not say, not everyone who drives out demons and performs miracles will enter the kingdom of heaven. In verse 22, he uses those kinds of things as examples, but they are not his point. His point is to describe people whose faith is based on a verbal acknowledgement of Him. He's talking about people who love to call Jesus Lord and they invoke His name in what they do. Oh, in your name we did this and that. And these people believe that simply because they refer to Jesus and use His name, then it justifies their actions. It justifies them. For these kinds of people, it's all about using the right words. I don't know about you, but I have visited churches that are like that. They think that the key to the spiritual life is getting the words right. And so in those kinds of churches, when you pray, you have to pray in just the right way. Using the exact right words or God isn't going to hear you. You have to baptize people using the exact right words or that baptism might be suspect. If you pray for someone to be healed and they're not healed, well, it's because you weren't using the right words. This is a formulaic approach to religion and it's not what the life of faith looks like. And from time to time, I encounter other people who I think fit into this category that Jesus describes. And these are people who attend church, they learn some things about the Bible, and they pick up Christian jargon, and they learn to fit in because they they talk a good game. But they never, ever make any effort to actually follow Jesus. And so, as Jesus often does, he engages here in some hyperbole to catch people's attention and really make his point. And he does that by using this extreme example of miracle workers, people who do supernatural wonders in his name. He wants the people listening to him to wonder, to wonder, is it actually possible to do miracles in the name of Jesus and not know him? And the answer evidently is yes. Later in his ministry, Jesus says that there will be false prophets who will perform signs and wonders for the very purpose of deceiving believers. And that's why Jesus specifically warned about false prophets earlier in his sermon. We read that in verses 15 to 20 last week. A strong warning to watch out for false prophets. And Jesus' focus Last week was to warn us 
about false prophets. And the focus here is to urge us to not become like those kinds of people. He's warning us, saying, don't become someone who boasts about me, who throws my name around, and yet you really have no interest in following me. Words alone are not the measure of faith. Calling Jesus Lord is not the measure of faith. We sang some songs earlier extolling the name of Jesus. He has a great name, but simply singing about his name is not the measure of faith. Jesus is telling us here that faith requires action. Based on what he says here, it must be action framed by two realities. First, our actions must be the will of the Heavenly Father. And second, our actions must flow out of our own connection with Jesus. In other words, we must know Him. And we must choose to do what He says. That's the response that Jesus is looking for. And any other response to this sermon is incredibly foolish. And a foolish response... A foolish response leads to being rejected by Jesus. So this is incredibly serious stuff. It's so serious that Jesus isn't done yet. He's got more to say about it, so we will not miss his point. And in the next part of his his wrap-up, he tells a short parable to draw a contrast between those who respond to his teaching wisely and those who respond foolishly. In a minute, we'll have the text on the screen, and you'll see that part of it is highlighted in yellow. And as we read through this passage, when we get to the yellow text, I would like you to read it aloud with me. Let's take a look. Jesus continues to speak and he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The wise versus the foolish. The words there in yellow describe, unfortunately, a very common response to Jesus. It's the problem of relying solely on knowledge. Jesus is talking about people who hear him, yet do not act upon what they've learned. And that is incredibly foolish behavior. 
Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Lord of the universe, and he has just finished preaching a sermon full of life-altering truth. He shared principles and ideas and action steps that challenge his listeners to examine their lives. And with all of that, he is not interested in having people leave and go away and simply regurgitate what he has said. The life of faith cannot be based simply on knowledge alone. Action is required. And that action is not incidental, it's foundational. And that's why Jesus tells a parable about the foundations of a building. If we build a house on a weak foundation, it will collapse. And in the same way, if we build our spiritual life on a weak foundation, we will not stand. Here's something rather interesting about a foundation. It's usually not visible, at least most of it. A foundation is the largely invisible structure upon which the building rests. And yet, even though it's unseen, it is critical. And its effectiveness only is truly apparent under pressure. When things are calm, a weak foundation isn't evident. But when the storms hit, that's when we know whether or not the foundation is solid. The foolish man in this parable learned from Jesus. Yet he evidently trusted himself more than he trusted God. So he built his house on a weak foundation. And he paid a price. And so will we if we foolishly ignore what Jesus has taught. Now we might say to ourselves, I'm not ignoring Jesus. I know his teaching really well. I can talk about his teaching intelligently with other people, and in fact, I even can explain some of his points in great detail. And that's fine, but that's not what Jesus is after. He's saying here that we ignore him when we choose not to live in the way he teaches us to live. Knowledge alone is not enough. We must act. And so because Jesus loves us, he wants us to choose a different path from the path of the foolish man. He wants us to choose a better path, and he wants us to be like the wise man in this parable. I want us to read this passage again. And this time, the, the wise man's actions are the ones highlighted in yellow, because those are the ones that we need to take with us. I'd like you to read this aloud again with me based on the words in yellow. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What strikes me as I think about this parable is that the wise man and the foolish man, but both heard the same message from Jesus. Both of them, both of them were exposed to the same truth from Jesus, and, and yet it's obvious that that knowledge does not automatically result in a well-built house with a firm foundation. Each man had a choice, a choice to use what he'd learned, and it's the wise man who makes the right choice. He follows through, and he builds his house on a strong foundation. He builds his spiritual house on the foundation of the values of the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus has been preaching about here in this Sermon on the Mount. And here's something else to consider. This wise man's house, it might have been beautiful and ornate, or it could have been simple and very plain. Jesus Jesus doesn't talk at all about the appearance of the house because the appearance of the house is irrelevant to the strength of the house. Outward beauty is no help when the storms arrive. Outward appearances will not sustain us when our faith is tested in this world of unbelief. We cannot have an ornamental Christianity that we put on like a suit of clothing. Because appearances will not help us when our faith is tested by hardship or suffering or illness or loss. It's in those moments we learn whether or not we have a solid foundation. And such a foundation is not built by knowing the right religious words or knowing about Jesus. We can talk a good game and we can parade our knowledge in front of others, but we only build a solid spiritual foundation when we know Jesus and are connected to Him and we resolve to do what He asks us to do. So the wise person is the one who does more than just hear, who does more than just listen and learn. The wise person is the one who listens and then acts because it is incredibly foolish to ignore the words of Jesus. The wisest thing we can do in this world is to take this foundational teaching from the Sermon on the Mount and use it to build a strong spiritual foundation in our own lives. And with these words about the wise person and the foolish person, Jesus has finished his sermon. Now it's time for him to come down from the mountain. It's time for this crowd of people to follow him down that mountain and to step back into the routines of daily life. And that's the key moment of choice and decision. What will these people do? How will they respond to what Jesus has taught? Take a look with me at the next few verses. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. 
And when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Jesus captured the attention of the crowd because of what he taught and because of how he taught. In that day, the the teachers never taught the Bible based on their own authority. They always taught based on the authority of someone greater, usually an influential rabbi from the past. And so, so so they would read a Bible passage, and then they might say something like this. Now, as Rabbi Judah taught us, and then they would recite Rabbi Judah's teaching on that Bible passage. That's the kind of teaching that people were used to. That's what they expected. And Jesus was different. He shattered the reality of how teaching was to be done because not once in this sermon did he invoke any human authority. The only authority he cites for his teaching is the authority of God the Father. And based on that authority, Jesus does not merely explain the Bible, he redefines the meaning of the Bible to remove distortions that had been added by well-meaning but misguided rabbis. And this approach amazes the people because they've never heard anything like it. And so this great crowd follows him down the mountain. And they can't help but tell others about what they've heard. And so word about Jesus and his teaching spreads and huge crowds continue to follow him because of the message of this life-altering sermon. A sermon about the kingdom of God. A sermon that lays out the values of God's kingdom and urges people, men and women like us, to build our lives around those kingdom values. A sermon that invites us to follow Jesus, not just because he teaches us the truth, he shows us how to live. And so we need to decide how can we respond wisely to all that we've heard from Jesus over the past few weeks. How can you and I build a firm foundation? We start by acknowledging that we fall short of what God expects. And every one of us needs to come to a key point in life where we're ready to acknowledge the sinfulness of our behavior. We express our sorrow to God and we repent because of what Jesus did on the cross. We take a step of faith and we choose to be baptized into Christ. We get connected to Him and God graciously forgives us and He gives us a fresh start in life. And some people think that repenting and being baptized is the goal. It's not the goal, it's the start. It is the start of a life of faith because it's after that that through Bible reading and prayer and involvement in the community of faith, that's when we enter into a life of discipleship, a life where we get to know Jesus better and better, a life based on more than words, a life based on more than knowledge, a life of faith where we strive to follow Jesus daily. And we help each other take the truth of God taught to us by Jesus and live it out. And we get to enter into a life where growth and change never stop. And none of us ever can say, I've arrived. Not in this life. 
there is always more to learn. And there's always new opportunities to allow God to reshape the way that we live so we can reflect more of Christ. I don't know where you find yourself spiritually this morning. But if you've never taken that initial step to enter into a connection with Christ and begin the life of faith, please see me after the service. We would love to let today be the day that you start that spiritual journey and begin to build for yourself a solid spiritual foundation. It also might be that you have been a a follower of Christ for a long time, but you're able to say, you know what, I am stuck in a rut. And I learn new things, but I don't let God change me. And you know what? Speak to me after the service. I'd love to pray with you and for you and ask God to help you get out of that rut and help you identify some next spiritual steps you can take so that God's truth can increasingly shape how you live. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. There's a tremendous invitation for us here in this sermon. It's an invitation to embrace the values of the kingdom of God that Jesus has taught us. And wherever we find ourselves, there's an invitation here to get out of our spiritual ruts, to follow through, to build a spiritual foundation and then continually strengthen our spiritual foundation. Jesus is giving us two clear options. Will we be foolish or will we be wise? I hope and pray that we will choose the wise response and that we will live as Jesus asks us to live.